0: Welcome back to another episode of the Heart Square podcast. In, in this episode, we were joined by Laura and Sarah-Jane, um, both business change consultants here at Heart Square, um, And we spoke to them all about preparing for that all important milestone of a technology p- project, the Go Live.
1: Yeah, thanks Ellie. Um, it'd be good to hear what they've got to say actually, because they've both got a lot of experience, you know, and recent experience as well of, of significant Go Lives. Um, yeah, and we know there's a lot more to it than just kind of you know set a date and that's what you do, you all aim towards it, and that's the end. um There's a lot that goes into getting the goal up right and making sure that you have success afterwards. So yeah, it'd be really good to hear what they've got to say about it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So we'll get straight into the episodes. Um, don't forget if you do enjoy it, do let us know by leaving us a review, and don't forget to subscribe so you can you don't miss our latest episodes. Um, myself and Rob are joined by Laura and Sarah-Jane today and we are going to be talking about preparing for that all-important go-live date. Before we get started into the discussion, um, I wondered if Laura and Sarah-Jane, you could briefly introduce yourselves, tell us a bit about
2: um, your role here at Heart Square. If I could start with you, Laura, please. Thanks, Ellie. So I am Laura Kelland. I'm a business change consultant at Heart Square. And I'm currently working on two implementation projects, which means I will have two go lives coming up um, early next year. So my role at the moment is pure project management. I'm getting the clients to kind of all important go live date um, within scope, within budget, with everything they kind of expect to be delivered. So that's my role. Great.
3: Thanks, Laura. And Sarah Jay. Hi, I'm Sarah Jane and I'm a business change consultant as well at Hotsquare. I'm working with a charity and a local authority at the moment, both on implementation projects, one with Dynamics and one on Salesforce. I've recently completed a go live with a charity on um, Microsoft Dynamics. I've got lots of tips for today's podcast.
1: Excellent. <clears throat> that sounds, uh, yeah, sounds interesting. I'm certainly looking forward to it. I know you guys have got, you know, a lot of experience on previous and current um, implementations and I think it's something that you know we know that going live you know hence the topic for today, preparing for go live is because we know that it is you know it takes a lot of planning it takes a plan of its own uh, in its own right is a lot to consider and build into it um, and to prepare a client for so that they get the most out of the go live and beyond um, and I guess taking that as a kind of an initial topic really we know that there's a lot of, of prep involved. So so kind of when do you start planning? Um, maybe, Laura, did you want to take us forward with that one first?
2: Um, well, I, I guess it's in the back of your mind from, from day one, really. You know that's what you're aiming for. And I always make it quite clear at the beginning of an implementation that um, we're intentionally not planning right now. So if you look in the project plan, you've kind of got one or maybe two lines, you know, prep for go live and go live. But that will, as you get closer to the date, that will pad out and you'll have more information. So usually around two months, I think, from go live date is when I start saying, right, this is when we want to get steps in place. The meetings in the diary, um, you know, identify our resources, who's there, who are the decision makers. Um, So, yeah, usually around the two month point might move a little bit if we're in the middle of heavy testing or something like that. But enough time where we actually can plan and and give it a lot of thought and we're not in crazy wrapping up loose ends um, kind of mode Um, and this is when i start looking at things like you know what um what training do we need to get to go live Uh, what's the minimum amount of training that's needed can we have some training afterwards sort of more role-based afterwards um what do we need in terms of data so what data do we need in the system um what kind of support do we need maybe the days running up to and post go live Um, Where does testing fit into this whole sequence of events? Um, The decision-making meetings themselves, you know, when are we going to actually make the call? Are we going live or we are not going live? And so that's what in those two months would I be sort of lining up and making sure those those pieces are in place.
1: Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I guess, yeah, I get that. And it was a question, wasn't it? A specific question about the when. So I get the kind of two months. I suppose there's a bit of that that's... um, impacted influenced by the scale of what you're doing as well um but it was good actually interesting hearing you actually starting to think about kind of what those what those particular tasks are so where you start to as you nicely described you've got two lines in your project plan to start with you know prep go live and go live if only it were that simple right um but i guess what you're saying is a couple of months out is when you then start to flesh that out you're starting to add in those other lines and obviously engage the client and start talking to them about the various things um that they are going to need to do. Because a lot of work, would that be fair, SJ, to say that actually it is, it's quite a lot of work for the client to be doing during that period. Um, maybe they become almost the, the dominant um, completer of activities during that final period, almost more than the technology partner at that time?
3: Yeah, I'd say so. I think there's, ultimately the client is going to be using the system post-go live. And so it is da- very much down to the client to make sure that the staff are trained that the system is fit for purpose that they're signing off the product so that it can go to go live there is a lot um, that the client needs to do there's a lot of moving parts that the client needs to be across and needs to accept and sign off in order to to get to that point but equally there is a lot of emphasis on the partner to deliver those things in order for the client to sign those off and to get there and what i would say is coming back to your original question, I suppose, of when I start planning for that go live is is similar to what Laura said from the beginning. So that those, those um, staff members who are completing UAT um, and they're doing the testing of the product would then go on to be the trainers and then take, because they'll know, the, you know, the most about the product at that point. So they'll move on to being the trainers and then from the training, they'll move on to providing a bit of support post go live and starting to think through okay, what's the journey that the client's going to go through in order to go through Go Live? So you've got all the technical stuff that's going on around that, but what's the journey that the client's going to make from right from the outset of the project through to actually getting that system to Go Live and then beyond and starting to think of that right from the outset of the project? So I do think that there is a lot for the client to do. And of course, our job as project managers is to bring all those moving parts together as well as on the partner side to make sure that that happens and as Laura said start padding out that plan as you come up to that um go live to make sure that all those moving pieces are fitting together to get you to that point where you can actually go live and then the system is then used after go live because it's one thing to go live with the system but then it's another thing for that system to then actually be used and adopted by the organization thereafter
2: on that point you made about um taking the people SJ who are um, in the testing and then taking those same people to be trainers and those same people to do, to do kind of post-go-live support. Um, one thing that I, I do is I kind of note down those observations as the go. So they might be really early days observations that come in the first few weeks of the implementation, um, or they might come sort of in the in the months when we're in the real, the, detail, the development stage. But it's things like, who are my leaders? Who are the people who um, are calm and inspire confidence and, and sort of a listened to by their colleagues and respected by their colleagues and I note this down thinking this is someone I need on, on side for go live um, how does the organisation best communicate so if I know they prefer written memos I make sure in that run up to go live my plan t- takes into account more kind of written instructions and written guidance whereas if I know they respond more to a verbal Q&A like a, a team meeting or something I would factor that into my plan so even though I might not start the planning until a couple of months pre-go live by the time I get to sit down and make a plan stage I've got a bank of kind of ideas that are organization specific so I know this is how they work I know that this will spook them so I know that if we do face that challenge we should address it that way I know that they respond this way to deadlines so that we should you know work it that way so I've kind of almost been planning for the go live from the start and making sure that it is organization specific and that when we get to this high stress period which is do we go do we not go that you are doing and saying all the right things that you know that will keep that organisation calm and on track and focused so there is that kind of piece of, of, of planning and, and picking up tips and tricks along the way that I, I like doing.
1: Yeah I think that makes a, a lot of sense um, particularly as you say about um, identifying people through the run of the project who are going to be you know going to have different roles but invaluable roles uh, when it comes to preparing for the go live because part of it is about that you're going to be, you know, you're working with a, a, a team, a project team, a dedicated project team um, throughout the, like you say, the, the discovery, the, the development piece, whatever that may be. But part of Go Live is actually, and I guess a key part is actually that communication to the wider organization, getting the whole organization involved and then going beyond actually the organization a lot of the time to communicate with external stakeholders and that. So it's, it's that communications piece, I guess, a key component of the Go Live prep as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the first things I think I would look at in this two month run up to go live, which is who do we need to talk to and, and when and what are we saying? So, I mean, ideally, we will have touched on this already in a communications plan throughout the life cycle of the project. But by this stage, you're really focusing in on who, who are we communicating a go live date to and who are we um, and how are we communicating that to them? So, um, you know, are we confident enough that we can tell our external audience we are going live on this date and if so, how will we what will we do if we don't go live or if there's a delay or if we have to go live with half the functionality and leave half for a sort of later release? So that's a um, part of the communication piece. Is it like who are we telling? How much are we telling? Um, and is a really fine line between telling them enough so they're excited and they're supporting you versus telling them too much and then having all of these questions and feeling like you're under pressure because you've committed to the exact time and the exact sort of um, exactly what a go live will look like and and will they be disappointed because they know too much type of thing. So um, the communication is definitely a, a big piece. And also making sure people are there, that they're there, that they're available. You know, you're not trying to compete with other priorities or, or other things in the project. So especially communicating with things like a senior management team and making sure they really are supporting the resources that are by your side and the go live, that they are um, helping them with their schedules to make sure there's enough time for them to, to be there. Um, they're prioritising these key tasks. Um, there are some tasks that are vital it's sort of all hands on deck drop everything because if we don't do this we're not going live there are others that aren't so this needs to be communicated and understood as well so yeah communication is certainly a big part of that planning and the go live process
3: um, yeah I agree in terms of the the communication element and there should be a comms plan as part of the project and part of that comms plan is is talking about who needs to know what um and especially if things don't go the way um, that you plan for them to. And I'd say also in terms of when that go live date actually happens, it needs to be close to the training. So where um, training has has happened, And then if there's a delay, you have to account for the fact that that knowledge of that training may fall out of people's brains between them having the training and then actually using the system, which is always something to to think about. And as Laura mentioned before, about some of that um, potential post go live training, what's the training that's really important to get you to go live, go live. And then what's the nice to have training that you can have after that? Or is it that there has been a bit of a delay and you need to do a refresher of that core training to get you to go live and to think about that as well? Um, And I feel that that's to have that quite close to each other also enables the successful go live and then system adoption thereafter.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Particularly about that, that getting that timing right is really important because it needs to be close enough that people then are going to use the system um swiftly on the back of it so the training the system and the training is familiar. But I guess at the same time you're conscious of that core team you're going to be putting quite a few demands on them. So I think I think when we were talking earlier you know the 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 need to as part of the plan assign roles to people and make sure that everyone knows what everyone is doing and kinda of to map that out to make sure that you have the capacity within the team and within the organisation actually to to accommodate all of that. It's probably that's probably one of those juggling pieces that uh, where you really kind of earn your dough that day. You know when you when you're trying to get everybody into into the right place at the right time um, and with the capacity to do what they need to do. You find that a challenge. Like saying you recent, you mentioned you've had some recent go live. Sarah Jane, is that something that was a challenge for you at that point?
3: Yeah, um, I think on the recent go live I had, we had. Um, those UAT members became trainers and then we supplemented them with additional trainers who had to get up to speed quite quickly um, to be able to then train the system to others. And I think had those trainers had been part of the UAT from the beginning, they would have had a much more effective job. And when it came to post-go-live, when it Ultimately, there will always be problems that come out of the system and bugs and things like that. And you really need those trainers and those subject matter experts and, and leaning on those people to really help facilitate and triage that support model um, post-go-live. And I think those that were closer to the system, that had been closer to the system throughout the lifecycle of the project, were able to handle some of that and, and, and enable that change that the organisation needed to go through in order to use the system, whereas those that sort of came in a bit later that we were leaning on for the same thing but didn't have the depth of knowledge, it was a bit more difficult. So these are all things I'm kind of taking forward into my next project um, for the next implementation and thinking about who are the key individuals, who do we need to lean on, making sure that they're available and um, are aware and know the expectation of their role throughout the different um, parts of the project, as well as then to communicate to them that once we've got to go live, their role doesn't stop, that we need them post-go live. And actually, sometimes it becomes even more important post-go live because the project goes away, the system goes into BAU, but they're still very much needed because they have that knowledge and we have leaned on them throughout the project. And I think that's a that's a key piece as well.
1: Yeah, because as you, I think you both said earlier, you know, once once the, once the you're technically live, you know, that piece of time where you're bedding in, you've got a, a new audience using the system, you will discover, you know, fixes and things that need addressing, and training issues and support issues, and you're going back to that same group of people, aren't you? Um, and you have to, but yeah, like you say, in, in, it, in some ways, you're actually increasing the demand on their time. Is that, Laura? is that your experience as well? I know you were telling us very, very gladly earlier about how um, how successful your last go live was um, <laughs> <laughs> were you did you have that same kind of um approach I guess of taking people you talked about being influenced by the experience you had with them during the course of the project but you identified them to then have those roles going from SME from subject matter expert into tester trainer support person you know that multifaceted role and, and kind of increasing the amount of work that, that they were doing actually as the project came to a head.
2: To be honest I think with the kind of the key roles of my kind of core project team which was relatively small the roles and responsibilities were quite clear the whole time we kind of everybody knew where they were and it, there was a lot happening and they went up to go live so it became very clear you know you are on the project sort of as much as you can be and it, one day you might be wearing this hat another day on this hat but it was sort of very clear that priority was was project and almost task by task responsibilities varied. So that wasn't so much of a problem for me. I think um, my lesson learned is around kind of what I didn't say. So I think I was quite clear around today you're a tester, you're doing this, this is what you're doing. Today you're a trainer, you're doing this. Um, today you're feeding back. Today you're you know feeding into a go live meeting and, and saying if from your perspective the system meets the functionality. You know, this was all quite clear. But there were some gaps, I think, in my instructions around what you don't need to be doing, which maybe they thought they did. So I think um, I'm very aware from my experience that you do not have to have everything completely perfect and do not have to have a completely bug free system to go live. You know, there are are certain tolerances. So you say, we'll accept this little fault that could be fixed later. And similarly, with the data that's been migrated, for example, we'll accept these little errors and we'll fix them later because... In the grand scheme of things, we're ready to go live, but I don't think I communicated that well enough. So I think there were a few people who thought that they had a bigger role, or thought there's more to be done in certain areas. And so, whilst in my head it was clear that we had done enough testing and we were in a position where we could move forward, that it wasn't quite clear to everybody else. And there was um, a feeling, or a certain feeling of responsibility, um, to to do more, to give more, or they should be more trained, they should be more prepared. So I think a lesson to myself is, you know, as SJ says, training isn't just sort of a one event pre-go live and then it stops. Training can be, it can take place, you know, split sort of pre-go live, post-go live. It can be, uh, you can have top-ups, reminder courses. You can have um, kind of internal without the partner training once you've gone live where you kind of just um, have reminders or or maybe a cross-functionality. But I think I wasn't clear enough on, you know, you're okay. You already know enough to go live and maybe there was concerns in that area that there were gaps on their side. Um, So, yeah, that would be my lesson, not just being clear what they have to do, but being clear about what they don't have to do, what they don't need to be worried about right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting, actually. It's almost you know, looking at, you know, two sides of of sort of their roles and responsibilities within that, you know, as much as what it is, what you do, it's also what, like you said, prioritising things and what you don't need to do. I know, and as you was talking there, you mentioned a bit about sort of looking sort of beyond go live as well. Is that something that you take into consideration when preparing for the date? Sort of what can what can we hold till after or what can we sort of, you know, is that a part of the prioritisation during that preparing and planning time?
2: Definitely on my side. Yep. So I um, like to set up um, some kind of like support structure post go live and ideally something that's regular in the diary so what I've done and worked well is have a whether it's a CRM manager or system administrator whatever kind of role you want to to call it but this core person who is managing the system have um, them have touch points with the teams kind of immediately after go live so on a weekly basis on a bi-weekly basis where you're having feedback opportunities and that could be you know what's going well with the system what have you learned that you can share with the rest of your team Um, you know have you picked up any tips and tricks that you that you want to share or have you actually made a mistake and you want to share that have you noticed an enhancement that you'd like have you identified room for improvement so scheduling those in the diary and making it clear to everybody um you know there is a structure and there is a a framework in place for you to feedback for you to request additional training request any changes to the system um share your experiences and i think linking back to what i said before about sometimes the gap is actually in what you don't know as opposed to what you do know that really helps to reassure people it's okay to go live with a couple of you know doubts around exactly how the system is going to work or do I have enough training because we've got this structure in place moving forward so you know that a week from go live you'll have the chance to sit down with somebody and talk through how you've got on so far and your colleagues will all be there so if you raise a, an issue it may well that they be that they've already found that solution or it may well be that they say we've had the same and together collectively you can request for additional training or or support in that area. So I think getting those set up from day one are really important. Um, it just formalises the kind of feedback collection process and and lets people know that they're, they're not on their own. It's not go live, off you go, kind of wash your hands, um, learn on the job. It's very much a, a controlled um, post-go live experience.
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think, <clears throat> and within that, as you have touching on towards the end there, there is that piece of actually using that just, to set expectations, you know, so you're talking about what's what needs to be done post go live the support and the mechanisms you're going to put in place and within that you're you're setting the expectation that not everything is going to be perfect, not all the data is going to be right, not everything's going to work quite the way it was expected, not everyone's going to know exactly what they're doing, that kind of idea, which helps to to combat that kind of, you know, that perfect is the enemy of good or perfect is the enemy of progress, Let's say that, yeah. So people won't sign off on the go live because it's not one hundred percent perfect and you're rightly setting the expectation that it can't be. Is that something that I suppose I think so SJ, I think you mentioned earlier about, you know, among the components of the plan and the elements you're putting together in planning the go live, it is actually when do you put in those those sign off dates, you know, the key, you know, when do we actually, you know, as a commitment phobe, when do you finally get them to sign on the line and say yes this is really happening yeah um is that is that I suppose, yeah there's probably multiple stages but or a couple of stages in that is that how you would approach that building people up to the moment of saying yes there's no turning back
3: yes and I think some of those let's call the milestones of uh, go no go decisions whether that's on the functional side, to so how the system works, or on the data side, um, how the how, what the data what the data is in, I suppose on the data miga- migration strand. Often, though, those milestones are put in by the partner anyway um, to do with perhaps the invoicing and, and things like that. So often, you'll find that there are sign-off points anyway, and then building into that, then the client confidence that the system is Ready to go live, and actually, in the run-up to those sign-off points, those milestones, working with the client so that they agree what they accept as um, what is acceptable. I suppose what are those tolerance levels? How much? How how close to perfect are you trying to get? Are you are you one hundred percent perfect? Are you at fifty percent? What's what is enough? Um, and what's what is the bare minimum? could go live with and what's what's the the threshold really because ultimately they're paying for a product you would have done all of this work you would have had all of this project and you also want to go live with a good quality product as well you don't just want to go live with something that's not right so there's lots of conversations and agreements that need to be made in the run-up to those sign-off points and then it's the committing to actually signing those off and a lot of that comes down to on the functional side often the product owner or the Um, the person who's ultimately responsible for that product on the client side and or sponsor. And then on the data side, it could be your data lead or your technical lead from the client side and or product owner and or sponsor need to have those roles and responsibilities designated to those people so that they know as they're going through the build process or the data migration process, that at the end of that, they are the ones that are going to sign it off and say, Yes, we're ready. And it is hard. It's hard to, to, to do that. And I think there's a level of responsibility there that that person needs to actually put a stake in the ground. As you say, that commitment foe and go, actually, no, we're ready. We're putting the flag in the ground and we're, we're doing this. And especially if things don't go well thereafter. And I think from um, a change management perspective, there can be some feelings of guilt if it doesn't go well like well we signed this off this was right at that point in time but now something's happened and we're now we're now not near that and so that's also something to bear in mind the kind of softer more psychological effects of making those decisions but um yeah it's all all being well you have those sign off points and then you get to go live and everything goes swimmingly well
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's only that straightforward every time sometimes it can be of course but um yeah, that's, no, that's a really good point. And I think, sorry, the, on the earlier part of what you were saying there, you've got, like you say, you've got your technical or your your functional side and your data side, which is your technical, I'm ready now, isn't it? We were talking earlier about the comms and getting the organisation in a position where culturally, actually, you know, it's ready, you know, that's your comms plan and, and your training programme and your rollout side of things. Um, and those two have to be aligned as well, because we each takes confidence from the other as well, doesn't it, you know? Um, it's not just about how you broadcast to the outside world, it's how that, you know, technically you're confident, therefore, you know, um, you start to communicate more internally, from that you get positive feedback that builds your confidence to sign off. So, it is, a, you know, there's a very positive cycle in there. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting how those interact and how you manage their, you, how you t- take a client through that process is interesting, I think. Um, yeah, not easy for okay.
3: The way in which um, I tracked that, I suppose, bringing all those different strands together was through uh, a go live checklist. So it had the action log that has all the actions that people need to do in order to get to, to go live. And then in order to go live, it had a checklist of things that were either red, amber, green, red things and amber things essentially needed to turn green in order to go live and so has everybody in the organization been trained no okay well what's the acceptable amount of, of staff that need to be trained in order to say we're confident to go live has that been done and agreed yes and then you can go live and it's green so having all of those things in that checklist to turn green by the day of go live um was then your big sort of green flag I suppose to the sponsor to say yes we're ready across all of those different strands and then having a a post go live checklist so after go live do we have our support processes our change board our change management have we got our hyper care what's the partner doing checking all those off as well to say yes not only are we ready to go live but we're also ready post go live
1: as well yeah, no, I think that's good. And I think it's a really important point that you make about turning something green it doesn't mean it's 100% complete. It means it's past the threshold, yeah, for being good enough. And good enough is a really good thing, by the way. It's not it gets a bad rep in some way, yeah. But good enough literally means it's ready. Um, Laura, sorry, you were going to to add to that.
2: Just, I really agree with the um, like the idea of a checklist and something physical that we can refer to in that final meeting and say, look, these were your criteria, and you know, as you say, having that tolerance, so. In an ideal world, 100% of people would be trained, there would be zero bugs, let's be realistic, we'll we'll accept 70% as long as these key people are trained, we'll accept this, you know, this tolerance of of data um, migrated or the quality of data migrated. And having sort of that predefined, so that would be one of the early things I did in sort of the two months run up to go live is getting that list agreed with the client and then in that kind of week, as you get closer, really visually showing them, you know, sharing on the screen, look, we're going green, we're going green. And have that kind of movement so you can see we're almost there, only three things to go. We're almost there, only two things to go. Make it really visual. And so in that final meeting, when they are nervous, as you say, everyone becomes a commitment phobe when it's about making a big decision that's got a potential impact. Uh, and so having something there on the screen which says to them, this is what we agreed months ago when the pressure was off or when there was less pressure that you needed can you agree? You know, we've, they've all turned green over the last few weeks. These are the people who've verified this. It might be certain SMEs who have you know said on behalf of their area, we're happy with this. It might be a technical lead. It might be the partners given their reassurance. It might be that from our perspective that we can say, we, we believe that everything's been done and sort of saying everything's here. It's in writing in front of you. And I think that formality and that visual aid is just really um, reassuring in the moment to say the facts the facts are here you know there's almost like an audit trail that says everything that you want to be done is done
0: yeah that's that's really interesting and I think seeing it visually as well can help yeah like you said with that reassurance and I guess as well to help with that motivation to move forward and keep turning those things green and and you know working towards that that day everyone's you know what dedicating their work to Um, I was just thinking as well sort of playing devil's advocate if you like sort of you're prepared as much as you can you've made all of those green as much as possible as you can um but sort of on the go live date if if there's parts that don't quite go right sort of and you're you're not sure what are your options then do you sort of prepare for a plan b almost or do you is that something that you think about when you're you know in the whole preparation of going live
3: so it is something that you have to think about is your contingency planning what happens if things don't go the way that we want them to how long how long could we delay go live for if everyone's just being trained for that um, knowledge to retain for example um how long so say um because of go live perhaps um certain things have been suspended in order to for go live to happen how long will the organization wait in order for us to go live and there's there's a few different things um you have to factor in into that contingency planning and it's it's um you have to have I think those backup plans obviously we all want you know plan a to work but if plan a is not going to happen what's plan b plan c plan z <laughs> just in case and hopefully you never have to use them I think in those moments where things don't go well, to be pragmatic and to have pragmatic decision making from the partner side and from the client side is really important because ultimately you're all wanting the same goal. You all want to get live, but if there are certain blockers in the way, you have to try and work together, work collaboratively to figure out the best pragmatic approach to do that. So, for example, if a big bang approach was 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 planned for go live, if things don't go right, do you still have a big bang approach? Or actually do you start looking at decoupling things and phasing um, go live to get some teams to go live first, where there aren't those blockers, and then sort out the blockers for the other ones and then go live with everybody else. And it's that kind of rallying the troops, let's say, in those moments where perhaps the chips are down you've always got options there's always things that you can do but it's about having the right people in the room with the right um, the right level of decision making and then the right attitude to actually work together and think how are we going to overcome these obstacles to get to get to the point where we can go live and um, what what can we do how can we change our thinking and the planning that we've done up until this point because something unforeseen has happened and how can we get through that to get to where we want to go so, yes, you definitely need contingency plans, but sometimes you've really got to think on the fly and make sure you've got those right people in the room to make the um those crucial decisions that you just can't plan for,
1: yeah, I think it is that isn't it? It's about making sure like you say you've got decision makers available, yeah at those points when something might go wrong, yeah or might need a decision might need to be made, and I don't know, put words in your mouth, but maybe for you. The most important thing at that point, apart from having them in the room, is making sure that you can tell them the impact of the of the options that they have in front of them. Is that I think impact? I specifically use that word, you know, because that's what will help people to either hold their nerve. Yeah. Or understand which of those contingency options is going to take them is going to help them best. Yeah. It's about yeah the impact of doing it. Is that fair?
3: I think that's fair. Yeah, of course. Like having the options, we've got options A through to D. And these are the these that cost benefit analysis, if you like. These are the costs. These are the downsides. These are the plus points. And then ultimately it's the, the client that decides. But also on the reverse way of looking at it, I think there's a responsibility on the client to say, this is what we can tolerate. This is This is as far as we're able to pause our operations, We can only pause it for a day more or three days more because this impacts us and our revenue and bottom line in this way to then feed that back into the project to then assist with that option planning as well. So I think it's it's very much a collaborative effort um, and doing a bit of that cost benefit analysis to then come to that point where you're thinking, what's the best approach to go live if it's not the way in which you planned with a minimal amount of negative impact? on change management on revenue on um and on customers um as well
1: yeah yeah like you said that kind of downtime or potential downtime potential interruption to services um is a key one of those key considerations in there isn't it laura is there anything i know as i mentioned earlier you were you were gladly sharing tidings of how well your last um Implementation had gone so i suppose you didn't have to worry well you would have had contingency plans but didn't have to call on them is that is that the case well i was actually
2: thinking that whilst i was speaking i think why, why did it go so well and i think the reason is that b- before we got um up, sort of up close to go live we actually implemented our contingency then which was the decoupling exercise so we ended up taking a split approach in my last project um we did a sort of half half functionality which has to be live because of business as usual um Sort of commitments and other and priorities within the organization that needs to go live. So, actually, we're going to slow down development and UAT of another area so that we can put all resources on this area. So, we made that decision, in fact, probably about two months, six months before. So, it really was in that go live when I put my go live padding hat on. It's when I said there's a risk here and it's starting to grow because we have such a hard go live deadline we have to hit. So, what can we do? So, I guess. Yeah, I almost started my contingency earlier on in that sense. Um, and, and and we did that ex- decoupling exercise early to prevent it being a, a last minute one. And one of the reasons we did that is because we did have external stakeholders involved. So we didn't want to commit to an external audience and then on the day have to say, oh, sorry, we're not going live with that today. Because we've bit enough more than we can chew. There's too much going on and we have to prioritise this. So your your area comes second you know so we 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 had that conversation earlier and we strategically decided to do it that way um but again tying into the point I made earlier about sort of taking notes as the project um runs and and looking at the right people and, and who are my decision makers and how do they make decisions so I would take into that go live go or no go live meeting I would take in all of those notes and the knowledge I've acquired across the project which is how how do they make the decisions do they make the decisions based on impact do they make make the decisions based on finances based on user experience based on um, reputation you know so I would yes focus on impact and what happens if we do do this or what happens if we don't do this but even tailor it a bit more and say what's their biggest fear and make sure that's present and again have something visual you know there that kind of says um, you know we, we could go live because we've hit five out of the 10 boxes but actually these five aren't what's the impact of these five not being ready so um that's how I would go prepared it would be saying who's in this meeting are they the right people and how do they respond they're going to be nervous they're going to feel under pressure how do I talk to them today how do I communicate this with them and as just as said you have to be pragmatic we're all in the same situation there's no finger pointing involved there's no kind of we should have done this we should have done that the conversation has to be what do we do next what's our priority and um you know, what, what risks do we have by taking option A or option B?
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And I guess it's it's there's always a risk that something unforeseen is um, going to come up and happen on the day. So just as much as possible in all the ways that you can, just being prepared with the various options you've kind of chatted through there. Um, I think, you know, we're coming to the end of this podcast now. So if I've just got one final quick question for the both of you. Um, so looking you know based on what we have discussed and in your own experiences if you could give sort of your clients previous or future one bit of key bit of advice and to help them prepare to go live what would that be
2: I'll jump in because I've had a a thought on this um I would be very clear from day one of the project of what go live actually means and make it very clear that go live is the start it's not the end date it's the, the, the start of the next phase if you like so just managing expectations and making sure that nobody is striving for this un, unachievable unattainable version of perfect that everyone is happy with this good enough that we've spoken about so go live is about being good enough um you know having a system that is strong enough that it's not going to fall over when you push it it's, you know, enough data um, and good enough quality data that you um that you know you're sort of ticking all the right boxes from a compliance point of view, that you know that you're not going to change your members or your supporters, your donors experience, you know, suddenly bombard them with emails or forget things. Um, But just enough is fine. And we don't need to have this um, version of of perfect that we're going to, you know, work ourselves into the ground trying to achieve and end up in a, a forever moving go live date because we're not hitting it, we're not hitting it. So just saying what are our tolerances and play into them we don't need perfect perfect comes in a phase two and a phase three you know you, you have these uh, room for changes and enhancements as you move forward and that's nothing to be afraid of that doesn't mean you've got it wrong it means you're doing it right and you're learning from real life experience
0: Correct. yeah I think that's a really good point actually and um, and SJ did you have a final bit of advice you would give
3: it's a very difficult question because there's about a thousand things I would say <laughs> Um, if I was to pick one um, that's not the same as Laura's because <laughs> I'm in agreement, um, I would say that collaborative working environment on a project team um, because ultimately things probably aren't going to go exactly to plan. It's just unless you're Laura and you can plan a perfect go Um it does go to plan but likelihood is things are going to go wrong and in those moments when things do go wrong you really need to have the right people with the right attitude to make the right decision. and one thing that I did on my last project was to have daily stand-ups with the project team and those people that needed to turn around activities really quickly to pull things out of the bag to try and um get to go live as when needed and it really reinforced that collaborative nature, the feeling of you're all in it together um, to do this thing um, and you will get it over the line. And so I think to put in, to get get those people to have that collaborative um, environment and to put things like a daily stand-up in the diary to reinforce that, to work together to get to go live is probably what I would say
0: right i think they're very strong pieces of advice there so yeah i think that brings us to the end of our podcast today so i just want to thank you both uh, laura and sarah jane for joining us today and yeah hopefully that gives away some good bits of nuggets of information for everyone listening so thank you so we really hope you enjoyed that episode it was really great to chat to Laura and Sarah Jane, um, hear about their experiences with clients on going live, and um, them giving us some tips and advice on exactly just how you can prepare for a go live. Um, is there anything in particular you took away from the discussion? With? Uh,
1: yeah, I thought it was a really good discussion. They both made uh, a number of key points. Actually, I think probably the piece around you know making sure there's that kind of expectation setting comms piece, and within it. Very specifically kind of making sure you assign roles and everybody knows what they're doing in fact everybody knows what everyone is doing i think that's kind of the fundamental piece isn't it it's not just i know my piece in a little box i need to know what everybody is doing in a really good way yeah and that's what then helps everyone to collaborate and get the, get the project live in the way that it should be so yeah many good points but that was probably the key one for me
0: yeah definitely So um, if you did enjoy this episode, don't forget um, to leave us a review and even better still, subscribe so you get notified of the latest episodes. Don't forget, you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter by searching at HeartSquare, where you will find lots more content on themes of leadership, digital, culture and capability. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.